Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Weekly Whitney, a Bacon Wire podcast, part of the vastly growing network of Bacon Wire and its affiliates. You might know me from the Bacon Wire podcast. I'm Lucas Whitney, now joined by my wonderful wife, Cassandra, or Cassie. Hello, everyone. And we want to welcome you to this episode. It's going to be about an hour every week, give or take. You know, if life comes back to normalcy, we're going to have more current movies and TV to discuss. But we thought today we would do a quick intro of of each of us individually and then talk about some movies that we've seen recently since we're stuck at home and some TV shows that we've both watched as well. So we're going to dive in. Cassie, are you ready to go? I'm as ready as you are. Alrighty. You know, we've had to kind of talk about ourselves of course you know you might know me i'm lucas whitney i am the co-host of the bacon wire podcast with spartan dog 97 i love movies i love them since i was a little kid my mom would actually pull me out of school to take me to movies i had good grades so it was validated (laughs) and my favorite movies ever i'll give you a top three the dark knight jurassic park and dumb and dumber a little bit of range from from all of them you know, science fiction, action, and comedy. I'd say Jurassic Park is probably number one for me. My favorite TV shows probably would be The Simpsons, because that shaped my whole sense of humor for the most part. Because I love the book and the movie, and the show blew me away. And we're going to talk about Watchmen later, so I'm not going to get into it right now. Then a, a third TV show would probably be It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, because that's another one that shaped my sense of humor and I love good comedy. So those are the, the movies and TV shows that have kind of shaped me and how I and how I am and who I am. Now we'll have Cassie give her hot movie takes. So I'm Cassie. Hello everyone. I too went to the movies pretty much every weekend with my mom. Um, that was something that I grew up doing, grew up in that culture. It was always the you know, the big blockbuster that weekend is what we were seeing, my mom and my brother and I. My dad was usually working. And then, so I, I obviously I grew up like that very much, as well as Lucas, so makes sense how we found each other that way. <laughs> I also actually turned to film as a career at one point in my life, so I am a film school graduate. Hey, Compass alumni. Snob. <coughs> um, <laughs> so that does put a different perspective on the filmmaking process when I watch it as a viewer. When a movie can really take me out of that mindset, that means it's a really good movie to me. This one of my favorite ones ever are more like typical blockbusters. Top favorite is Forrest Gump. And then I'd have to probably throw in Bridget Jones' Diary and Step Brothers. It's probably right around my top three. As far as TV shows go, I grew up watching Friends pretty much all the time. I've seen the whole show at least 20 times through. So that's definitely something that's, like Lucas said, shaped my sense of humor. Um, and something I recently got him to watch, and he really enjoyed it, even though he won't admit it out loud. It's not a top ten show for me, <laughs> but it's close. It's very close. So as, as far as TV shows go, that's always my number one. I also really like Law & Order SVU, even though some people think it's a little cheesy. It's the same episode every show it's the same it's not or they wouldn't be making 20 some seasons of it people like people like to be you know huddle up in their svu blanket of being the same thing and being calm 
Or they like to huddle up in the blanket of Detective Olivia Benson, okay. is a badass woman. All right, moving on. How we met, uh, we met online via the website Plenty of Fish in mid-December 2014. And we on our first date, and I don't know about her, but I knew she'd be a girl I wanted to keep going out with. And maybe not that night, but pretty soon afterwards, I knew she was definitely the one for me. Yes, I, I also felt the same. We were really lucky in that sense that we felt the same way about each other. Yeah. Pretty much right off the bat. Um, I, I almost didn't go on a date with her because, as you'll find out, and hopefully we get to review this movie this summer if it comes out, which I still believe it will. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. He's my number one director of all time. Spielberg's a close number two, but it's Nolan just for... In my adult life, I've never seen so many great movies be pumped out from one guy. She said she didn't like Christopher Nolan because he was too pretentious. You know, I still gave her a shot, and it worked out, and, and we Thank got... Thank you for your gracious shot, sir. <laughs> you're welcome. You're very welcome. So, <laughs> you know, about three and a half years later, we got married. Um, I remember our wedding day, folks. In October 2018, and uh, it's been just amazing marital bliss ever since. It's been so fun, and she doesn't have a gun at my thigh right now. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add to that before we move on? I will say that after knowing you and knowing how much you love Christopher Nolan, my opinion of him did slightly change, mm. although I still... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I do still hold out that Inception is, in fact, a bore. I have tried to watch that movie several times and f- end up falling asleep every time so if that's you don't like that in, works out. if you don't like inception folks then you might just well listen to the podcast but yeah it's okay if you don't understand your brain might not have the capacity to get a movie that complex thank you for, for mansplaining that to me honey. for a summer blockbuster you know it's very complex yes, and i didn't understand i've had that. men and women not like the movie so it's not because i'm mansplaining it we're going to start, I'm trying to steer the wheel here, and she's um, she's hitting the mirror on the side of the garage. So, anyway. You really want to bring that story <laughs> up right now? For another podcast. Yeah. We need, we need to beef up the content mm-hmm. later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to talk about some movies we watched recently, and, and maybe not recently for, for one or two of them, but they've impacted us for sure. We're going to start with a movie that we did watch recently. It's on streaming. It's one of those movies that unfortunately got pulled from theaters because, well, everything was pulled from theaters. It stars Ben Affleck and is called The Way Back. It's with Ben Affleck and Al Madrigal, the two main players. So The Way Back is about an alcoholic construction worker who was recruited to become the head coach of his former basketball team at a high school he used to attend. Um, he was a superstar back in the early 90s, and the team's pretty much been dog shit ever since he left. I love sports movies, and the director is Gavin O'Connor, who's made banger after banger of sports movies with The Great Miracle and Warrior. He also did The Accountant with Ben Affleck. Good movie. Yeah, really, really good movie. I hope a sequel comes out someday. But this was a pleasant surprise. The trailers didn't look that great. But I thought it was a really well done movie and it was a great story. And it doesn't end the way you think it would. And that's why I enjoyed it. I thought we were just going to see an R-rated Hoosiers, a a remake of that classic sports movie. But it takes a couple twists and turns and it it brings a lot more emotion than I thought it would. I really enjoyed it. And out of the very, very low selection of 2020 movies, I think think it's really good. I, I, I loved it. 
And I'm glad we bought it. I do not think this is a bad movie. But on the other hand, I would say that I didn't really care for the ending. And I was actually blown away when I found out this was not a true story. It had the true story feel, the biopic feel, when you're watching something and you're, like, going through someone's life, like, day after day kind of thing. Which isn't necessarily bad, but I guess, like, the payoff that this man didn't really exist and that this wasn't really a real team sort of was a downside for me. Also, the way it ended made you feel like it was a true story. It doesn't end with things being tied up nicely like an actual written plot would be. So, in that sense, it's not one of my favorites. I know you liked it more than I did. And part of it is because I'm a big sports nut and I have no sports right now. Literally no sports, so... It was nice to kind of see that, you know, like they became a team. Like there were definitely some sports movie cliches throughout it, but it it did take a couple twists and turns. I thought Ben Affleck was phenomenal, and I think part of it is the reality of the situation. Like he's a struggling alcoholic in the movie, and Ben Affleck had to overcome that addiction too. And I think it really shows in his performance. You kind of feel it at certain points, and you kind of cringe at certain parts. We're not trying to spoil these movies right now because they're so new. Otherwise, if they were older, we'd be going in deeper a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think we're done with the way back. Yeah. So okay. what's your uh, what's your star rating out of ten? I'm gonna go on a scale of goldfish, one to ten goldfish. A, a one. I only want one bite, or I want a handful. Like, give me more. Okay. Well, how many goldfish? I'm gonna give this one an eight. Eight goldfish. Yeah, eight goldfish. So an eighty percent might bump it up to eighty-five out of a hundred. I think it's a little higher than. If sports were around, it might be a little lower, but it's still a solid movie. And the fact that I got you to watch it gives it a little bit of credit, too. Because you were crying at certain parts. There were, I mean, there was definitely, I'm not saying it was a bad movie by any means. I guess I just, really honestly, when it ended, I was expecting those, you know, little titles to come up saying what happened to each person in real life. And when it didn't come, it was just sort of a letdown for me. Um, I guess I would give it a... I'll do stars because I'm classy like that. <coughs> sure. And give it mm-hmm. a six and a half stars. Okay. The next movie is probably, in both of our opinions, one of the best movies we've ever seen. Absolutely. And the best, I think, honestly, the best movie of, of last decade because it came out right at the end of 2019 before all hell broke loose. This movie is called Parasite. It's a South Korean film directed by Bong Joon-ho who has brought... Many great movies, including uh, Okja, The Host, Snowpiercer was one of his more recent and prominent ones in American culture. This centers around a a low-class South Korean family who kind of infiltrates their way into mimicking or just being a part of this rich couple's or this rich family's lives. Like, it's it's literally like a host. The family's the host, and these these lower-class South Koreans are the parasites. It's sort of the best way to explain it without giving anything away. Anything further would be spoiling the plot, which is one of the reasons I thought it was such a fantastic film was because of the very original, new, never-done-before kind of plot. I was absolutely blown away. My mouth was, like, literally open at a couple points in this movie. And I will preface this by saying that it is a South Korean film, like you said, Lucas. It is in subtitles. It is in subtitles. We probably had the best viewing experience. We went to the theater. We were by ourselves. Completely by ourselves in the theater. And, I mean, if you've ever done that, you know how amazing that is. So, especially for this kind of movie, we got to, like, kind of speak out loud at some parts. Being like, hey, is is that that guy? Like, what are we looking at? So that was, it was completely fantastic. 
It absolutely deserved all the Oscar buzz and awards that it did win. It won Best Picture, which is the first foreign language film to ever win Best Picture. It upset 1917, which, for all intents and purposes, most everyone thought it was going to win. We did see the 1917, and this is clearly the better movie in our opinion. 1917 is not a bad movie, but I, I wanted more out of it. But anyway... Um, Parasite, I can't recommend enough. It's streaming on Hulu for free. So if you have, well, if you gotta pay for Hulu, but go watch this movie. It's amazing. It's a masterpiece. And if you don't get it, honestly, watch it again. Because don't be on your phone. That's the worst part. Don't be on your phone. Full, Full attention. Because there's a lot of subtlety, a lot of, you have to pay attention. Like, and the subtitles, you get over that probably five minutes in the movie it starts to absolutely not matter because you're so taken away by the story that yeah. you need to know what happens next it's come it's the most well-written thing i've seen in probably the last 10 years yeah it's, it's fantastic it's a banger our next movie is one by the uh, the foot god himself um <laughs> a man who in my opinion i don't think he's ever missed i think he's made some movies that i don't care for He's never made a, a critically shitty movie, like a really bad movie. This is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed by Quentin Tarantino. You know, from Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, and Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, Pulp Fiction, the movie that brought him kind of into mainstream, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, etc. I think those are all of his films. Reservoir Dogs was first. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is first, correct. Thank you. Mm-hmm. This movie is about... Rick Dalton, who's played by Leo DiCaprio, who probably would have won his second Oscar had Joaquin Phoenix not played the, the, the role of his career. His stunt double, Cliff Booth, played by the always handsome Brad Pitt, who won an Oscar for this. That's the funny part about Brad Pitt is you think he's more handsome than I do. I think he's a handsome fella. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's really nothing wrong with saying another dude's handsome. There's not. I just think it's funny that we differ on the opinion. Yeah, that's weird. But it's about kind of how Rick is struggling to adapt that he's getting older and that Hollywood doesn't really want his kind around anymore. Like, they're kind of shifting to younger, hotter, better, cooler people. Especially 1970s. which Right. He, this takes place in uh, summer 1969. He was a famous Western TV star. So, for that show to be over for him was a big mm-hmm. deal in Hollywood at the, at the time. Yeah. And, and a subplot is... Dealing with Charlie Manson and the Manson family. We're not going to go into that because we could both talk about it for a whole pod. I will Um, say, before you watch this movie, you should look into the case. If you don't know anything about the Manson family murders, you should look up the actual historical facts of it to get the full effect of this movie. There's a couple okay documentaries, but you have to do some research. And Rick Dalton's next door neighbor is Sharon Tate, who unfortunately famously got murdered brutally murdered by charlie manson's couple of his family quote-unquote members in july 1969 she was a young up-and-coming actress and i'm just gonna say the movie does not go that dark i thought it would but it didn't it is a very different twist on it on that whole story it ties it all together so well it's a long movie it's two and a half hours but it doesn't really feel like it I will say, like, the the effect I got, I'm very much somebody who's into the flow of a movie. So, in this case, I was actually slightly bored for a good portion of the movie. Um, I was like, man, is this over yet? Like, I need to go to the bathroom kind of thing. Um, but... The final half hour just... Makes up for the rest of <laughs> yeah. it being slower. So, yeah. and I think that was done on purpose. 
I think it was very purposeful that you felt a little bit like at ease maybe and then the the ending is very much in Tarantino fashion if I It's like that highway that. meme of the, the 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 car going straight for like the rational conclusion and then veers off the the exit to you didn't expect this shit to happen. Yeah. It's it's got a lot of comedy in it. Brad Pitt, I think it's his might be his best or second. I think he was better than Glorious Bastards. I think it's his best role ever. That's right, it was because he obviously had a bigger role in this movie than a smaller role in Inglorious Bastards, right. but the character was more but fun. Leo and Brad are worth the admission because they're just, you can tell the chemistry's so great between them, mm-hmm. and you can just, you can feel that era, too. Like, it feels like you're watching an old older movie. Which, if anybody knows anything about Tarantino, this was definitely, like, his favorite era, right. so he made it as a fan of 1970s Hollywood. Yeah, it is his love letter to the movies he and TV he watched when he was growing up. And it's a love letter apparent. to gross, dirty feet. To dirty feet, yeah. That's one of his favorite things. Um, all right, so we're going to talk <laughs> about... Uh, this one just came on to Disney+. Plus. It is uh, a Pixar movie. It didn't really... I like the way back, it didn't get a chance to really make any money at the box office because of the unfortunate circumstances that are happening around us. It had um, a couple weeks. It had about two, three weeks. Yeah. This is Onward. stars Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as uh, older brother and younger brother. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is their mom and Octavia Spencer is in the movie. It's about two brothers who kind of have this disconnect at certain points, but they genuinely do enjoy each other. But Tom Holland's kind of growing up. Mm-hmm. And he never got a chance to be around his father, who passed away when he was a baby. They're both like this takes place in like a magic land, magical version of Earth. Sort of like uh, where centaurs and sort of like the old Renaissance type of magic, but then now it's modern day, and everybody's sort of grown past that. Right. And uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland use a spell to bring their dad back, and they only got half of him, like his bottom half back. Mm-hmm. They go on a quest they find a spell that would work to bring him back but they only have 24 hours mm-hmm. and they run into a lot of crazy hijinks like you find in a disney pixar movie i would give it on a scale of one to ten goldfish a six i think this is one of the i think i don't think it's a bad pixar movie i really don't think there's a bad pixar movie besides cars 2 which i think is bad <laughs> and cars 3 is is bad too I give it a six. It's a good movie. I read the spoilers, not going to lie. I read the Wikipedia because I didn't think this whole pandemic would happen. And I really didn't care to see the movie. And then when it came out on Disney+, Plus, you know, you're kind of obligated to watch it. You know, especially since it's a brand new movie that we can watch for free. Mm-hmm. I didn't not like the movie, but I don't think it was one of my top. Um, <clears throat> Lucas and I both really liked the Pixar movie Up, which I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. Um, this was something that didn't measure up, quote-unquote, folks, <laughs> to that, but it was very touching in spots. I definitely cried a couple times. I don't know if it'll go down as, like, one of the classic Pixar movies, but mm-hmm. it was definitely no, a well. well-done one. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I it... would probably give it seven and a half. Okay. By the way, that's, I guess we need to say the other movies. I give Pixar, I'm sorry, I give Parasite 10 out of 10 stars. Parasite gets 10 goldfish, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood gets 10 goldfish for me, too. I think those are number one and two for my 2019 movie viewing. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me is about 8, 8.5 out of 10. 
So the last movie on our docket before we move to TV shows, which we can probably squeeze a little bit more room into and talk, because just because there's more we have to consume, this movie is really fucked up. Just a warning. It's on Amazon Prime Video for free if you have a Prime membership. Watch it during the day. It's messed up. It's by a guy who made a movie called Hereditary, uh, which is a great horror movie, and I'm not a big horror guy. Midsummer or Midsommar, it's it's about a couple that is kind of on the ropes. They're a both, young couple. Yeah, young American couple in college. They're on the ropes. They both kind of want different things, it seems. Florence Pugh, who everyone loves right now, is playing the lead role. Um, she has this horrible accident happen to her entire family. And it's it's horrific. She's trying to get over it, and her boyfriend and his friends, who are single, want to go to Sweden with one of their roommates, who's from there. Take place in his hometown village's midsummer like life festival. Yeah, it's like... It doesn't really say what country it is necessarily, if I remember correctly, but I'm gonna look real quick. Like Norwegian region is what what it seems like, like Swedish or something like that. It is very disturbing, like Lucas said. There's a there's a lot it's of Sweden. a lot of build up, um, where you're like, oh, okay, I could understand that. Uh, oh, this is sort of interesting. It's a different culture, different look on life. Um, but then it it just gets progressively more and more messed up to where you just mm-hmm. can't explain any of it. As far as a horror movie, that's a very good one. But it's not something you would necessarily watch again. Right. Um, so if the point was shock and disturbance, they definitely achieved it. Right. I mean, without giving too much away, that's sort of the best way to explain it. Obviously, the the called their American being immersed in this this Swedish culture. Yeah, they love um, the Americans. Which I do have to say, like, I don't necessarily know too much about Sweden. I don't know if this is anything like their culture or if, they, you know, they just took a totally crazy turn of it. I'm not exactly sure. Like, the mo- yeah, like she said, the movie just gets progressively weirder and weirder. And by the end, my jaw was just kind of open. Like, what did I watch? Like, I enjoyed it. Like, it was a really well done movie. Mm-hmm. Really well shot. He likes a lot of his exterior shots and, like, his long, long long-range wide shots too yeah very well done movie i don't like horror movies so for me to say that is pretty good i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten goldfish because i thought it was a really good movie nine wow i wouldn't think you go that high yeah i i liked it like i'm not not a movie i'm gonna watch again but i liked it i'd probably give it a seven and a half being okay. a, little, a little generous it wasn't a bad movie by any chance but it was definitely something that like didn't directly speak to me, I guess, is a good right. way to say it. All right, we're going to move on to TV shows that we've watched recently and would like to discuss with our vast audience. So we're going to start with one that that I mentioned a little earlier, Watchmen. You can find it on HBO. Uh, created by Damon Lindelof, known for Lost and The Leftovers, which are two great shows. Watchmen is based on a book from the 1980s that is about a group of kind of vigilante superheroes that was that had its own history like there was a version of them in the 50s and 60s etc there's a new group that this book is based upon and Watchmen originally HBO wanted to be the book basically the book adapted to TV and Damon Lindelof said no I want to do my own thing and he somehow wove it into being a very very amazing tv show that focuses on 
race more than anything else. But you can absolutely fully enjoy the TV show without knowing anything about the book right. or the movie that came out a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's if you don't mind reading the book, it's a graphic novel. Uh, it's a quick read. You can probably read it in a day. The first time I read it, I couldn't put it down. I finished it in one day. And then the second, next day I read it again. It stars uh, Regina King as Sister Knight slash Angela Abar. And Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who's kind of had an uprising lately. He was an Aquaman. He was Black Manta. Uh, he plays her husband, Cal. Don Johnson's in it as one of her friends, who's the captain of the police. Uh, takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It really weaves in a true story, that the Tulsa Massacre, uh, I think, in 1920. Okay, so Watchmen does include a true story, which we just validated. Uh, the 1921 race riot. Tulsa was home to a lot of African Americans. And basically, there was just a huge slew of racial violence and civil disorder with a lot of white people attacking black people. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. it was 1920s in the South. Right. Uh, 300 people died in the massacre, most of them African Americans. 800 people admitted to hospitals. Uh, 10,000 people left homeless as 35 city blocks were destroyed by fire. Back then, the damage was around 1.8 million. And the, the city of Tulsa kind of put it under the rug for almost 100 years. Finally, early this century, Tulsa was finally like, okay, it really did happen. So, you know, that that's kind of interesting that a, a show helped bring it back into the forefront. I'm not saying Watchmen propelled them to acknowledge it. That happened before the show started, but it's definitely an interesting segue to include a group of characters that wasn't really revolving around race. It's interesting that they sought that event out as the start of the whole series. Right. Given that it had just come to light. I thought Watchmen, as a person who... I love the movie, and the movie... It's not great as a movie, but it's the best you can do with as thick of a book as it is. And as detailed and, and nuanced as the book can be, the movie's, the movie's fine. It's a three and a half hour movie. It's okay. This show blew me away, my expectations. I was nervous to watch it because I thought, is it going to let me down? And it really didn't. Um, Watchmen was a fucking masterpiece. It is. You were so excited when we were watching this. Yeah, it was. It's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen in my life. On the Bacon Wire podcast, I put it at number two, all time, and it only has one season. It's probably gonna stay at one season, because Damon Lindelof has said if I can't come up with any good stories to back up season one, then I'm not doing it. Um, Which props to him for saying that, because that means he's really sticking true to the. To himself and to the story and the legacy of everything. Right. He's not just going to make something to make something. Yeah. Which I totally applaud him for. I thought it was a fantastic show. Given that I didn't, I did not honestly really care for the movie. What year did you say it was? In 2009. 2009. I actually worked at movie theaters at that time. And I remember a lot of parents bringing their kids in to see it. Thinking that it was a regular superhero movie. It was, uh, I mean... Don't mean to spoil it, but you've probably seen it at this point, given it's so old. Um, there is giant male nudity in the movie. Mm -hmm. And that's all I remember about the movie, honestly, like, before the show started. So, I mean, it was just awful. Like, little kids going in there seeing violence as well as the cussing and then the nudity on top of it. It was definitely not a children's movie. 
Right. But the TV show, though. But the TV show was, like I said, one of the best I've ever seen. So I went into it with even not the best headspace, not reading the novel, not really remembering or liking the movie too much. You knew a lot, though. I remembered some of it. I just didn't remember a lot of it. Yeah. But the, the TV show itself was so well-crafted. Um, every single episode was almost like a brand new story, but then it wove itself together so completely well. One of the best I've ever seen. So well acted by everybody in it. The graphics are amazing. Special effects are great. Overall, 10 out of 10 stars. Yep, 10 out of 10 goldfish. Easy. So we're going to definitely flip a 180 on the next topic. We're currently still watching this show. Yeah, I've seen how it ends, so I'm okay with discussing it. Uh, New Girl, you can find on Netflix. Centers around Zoe Deschanel. She's a new girl to these three guys. Uh, She moves in with them. And, you know, there's a little bit of love and romance and just a lot of comedy, too. Like, the all three, it's like a odd couple, kind of. It's, generally speaking, a very, like, a very new new aged friends, if I will. Everybody's got their own character sticks. Um, it's it's mapped out not in the traditional sitcom, but it is like twenty minute long comedy. So technically, yes, a sitcom. It's it's very well written. The characters develop very well. It went on maybe, in my opinion, a season too long, but uh, overall, a very good show. I've seen the whole thing a few times. Um, I know that Lucas likes the characters now as somebody who's not quite through it. Mm-hmm. So to get someone who doesn't traditionally like sitcoms to like it is a pretty big, big deal. You know, I don't like sitcoms with laugh tracks unless they're older. And this one does not have a laugh track. No. I tried watching it a couple of years ago and I don't know why I couldn't finish it, but I just don't think I ever got around to doing it. But now's the perfect time with really no new shows coming out. I give it a, a eight eight and a half out of ten goldfish so far. I would probably concur eight and a half stars. First season first seasons are not always great, unless you're a show that is in a different air of a different category, a different tier. The first season's a little rough around the edges, but by season two you can tell that they all hit their stride, and it's just so well much more well rounded too. And the theme song is your favorite theme song. Yeah, I don't like the theme song. If we had to do a ranking, it's one of the worst theme songs <laughs> I've ever heard on a TV show. Next one is different category. It's a documentary. Docu-series. Um, investigative docu-series on HBO called McMillions. It's a story about the McDonald's Monopoly scandal um, in the um, late 90s, early 2000s that centered around this group of friends that had access to the Monopoly pieces that would win cars and money, all sorts of cash prizes, and they would give them to their friends, and, and they give them to their friends, etc. It just set off this chain reaction, and it started out with, the investigation started with this one F, young FBI agent got a post-it note saying to possibly look into it, and it just took a whole new level as soon as they dug deep enough to figure out what was going on. So if you remember playing the McDonald's Monopoly games and you didn't win, mm-hmm. that really wasn't on you or your luck or however you thought it was at the time. Never had a shot. Never had a shot. <laughs> no. That was, I think, the most upsetting part. Um, overall, the documentary is considerably long. Yeah. This story could have been told in maybe three, maybe four episodes. And I believe it has more like seven or eight. I think there's eight episodes. Eight, yeah. It could have um, been it could have been condensed big time. 
there there is a lot that's like drawn out um the all the characters are i mean they're real life people say characters but they're fascinating um it's cool to learn everybody's side of the story and how it affected everybody just a little bit differently some crazy people for sure what's your score i probably give it honestly a five Hmm, okay. um i'm really into docuseries but i like the true crime ones and although this is technically a crime it's not as juicy as per se i don't know the abducted in plain sight or something like that hmm. um it's not quite as uh upsetting of a of a crime right you're just more bummed out that you never had a chance to win those things right right i remember my dad and i would collect them and with how often he traveled, we thought we had a really good shot at winning just because he went all over the country for a while. But then you see this and you're like, oh shit, wasn't even worth it. Yeah. I'm going to give it about a six. I thought the story was compelling enough to make it a six. And some of the agents were pretty funny. Like the two, I forget, I think McMillan is the is the young guy, the younger guy at the beginning, Doug. Oh, I can't remember their name. That kind of hot shot rookie. And his boss, who's a DA uh, or a prosecuting attorney for the country now, I thought those guys are pretty good. I mean, it's it's worth a watch if you're really interested in the story. But I mean, you could probably just read the Wikipedia and get a better summary of what happened because those last two episodes kind of dragged. They really did. It really. It felt it like crawled. they they signed a contract with HBO saying eight episodes and they tried to fill the eight episodes instead of letting it naturally progress right mark Wahlberg produced it so it was probably like you gotta do gotta do eight episodes you know <laughs> hey chicken i'll give you knuckle sandwich if you don't do eight episodes <laughs> and another bat we're gonna go back into comedy you we went back into seriousness we're gonna delve back into comedy another hbo though yep another hbo banger um this show i i don't consider no, I consider it nearly perfect. It's almost perfect comedy with an all-time character that has a lot of practices that were considered a little odd now are considered we might be using these in terms of social distancing, practicing weird methods. It's Curb Your Enthusiasm, starring the great Larry David, the co-creator of Seinfeld. So now let's go back a few years when you I started watching the show with Lucas after right. we were living together for maybe a few months at the time. I have tried to watch like an episode here and there of Seinfeld in the past. I'm not the biggest Jerry Seinfeld in particular fan. So I've never sought that out as my show. So when he told me that Larry David was the creator of Seinfeld, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like this. Like, I'll watch it to give it a shot because that's sort of my attitude about stuff. But I'm probably not going to like it. I absolutely love this show. Larry David himself is slightly annoying as a person, but the every episode like begs the question of societal norms. Like, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this something that you would do? So it's very, very interesting in that sense. I love Seinfeld, and I watched Curb. I tried to watch it when I was younger, maybe, God, right around the time it came out, the first season or two. Excuse me, I don't think I had enough maturity to understand it because there's some stuff that happens that if you're a kid you might not get it yeah very mature stuff in there yeah (laughs) i mean i'm not mature now i mean it's on hbo for a reason yeah just say that it's it's just gold there's so many great episodes and the older you get i think the more you appreciate like i could go watch any episode because the show started in like 2000 and it's it's just had a 10th season last fall 
or excuse me, this yeah, this past January. What yeah, the hell am I talking about? It just premiered this se- this year, and he practices a lot of things. Like he did, he basically did social social distancing before we made it cool, or before we made an actual practice as a society, which I think is pretty hilarious. Simply because he doesn't care for crowds, so yeah, it doesn't he anything, doesn't like people, or and he's a little bit of a germaphobe, so. It's really all kind of tying into the current environment, which is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, it's a very timely show, but it's an all-time comedy. Like, there's great moments. All the characters are really well done. Like, they're carved out. They have a mm-hmm. lot of definition. For a comedy, that's pretty hard. Like, that can be really hard. Yeah, I would say everybody's their own person. Nobody's yeah. there just to serve Larry David's purpose. <laughs> it's it's very, very well done. There's a lot of little things. Like, here's, here's probably a quick example. Um, they're talking about how some people will put you know, a cold drink on a hot day on your wooden coffee table. <laughs> so then he goes into this whole thing, like, do you not respect wood? And, you know, as, like, a younger, as, like, a, you know, college kid or whatever, you'd be like, that's really stupid. That person's pretty, pretty anal. Right. Then you grow up and you get furniture your own, and you're like, yeah, that's kind of douchey. Who would do that, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I could go on and on about Curb. I could have a whole episode talking about how brilliant that show is. It's just the, the writing, and it weaves into the situation so well. I would say the only thing I don't like about that show is Larry David's a considerably older gentleman. So anytime there's like a sexual activity scene, it's not necessarily my favorite. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that opinion, but nobody wants yeah. to see someone who looks like their grandpa doing it. <laughs> you see Larry David's O face a couple times. Yeah, it's um, not the cutest. But I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. It's It stands the test of time. It holds up. There's some comedies like Married with Children, which I love, that doesn't hold up in this it in, in 2020. It's still a funny show, but like Curb, you can watch the first season and still laugh your ass off. Whereas opposed to some shows, you can go, "Ooh, I don't know if they could get away with that now." We recently tried to watch Married with Children, and although right. the characters themselves are endearing in their own way, still like I personally didn't find it funny when Peggy Bundy just wouldn't feed her kids. Like that's not funny to me. Yeah. But I could see how her character is funny, but like certain things they would do. Al Bundy's the goat, so that's that's good enough. Well, to there's get it still by. certain things that he would do. Oh, that yeah, done. that's 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 how it was back then. You can't fault you can't fault them for that for when it was back for how it was back then. True. If they came back, obviously it'd be speaking, really interesting to hear Al Bundy in 2020. Yeah, I'm speaking to the fact that like it doesn't hold up as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. We we're both agreeing on yeah. it. And the last one on our docket, it's going to be a little shorter than we thought, so we might we might end it with a little bit of what we're looking forward to this year, if anything comes out. Yeah, because this one's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, a little bit, but it's all for a good reason. Give us our sports and movies back. That's all we want. This one is called Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Um, it's a short, like, three-and-a-half-hour documentary special on Netflix it is appropriately sectioned out as opposed to McMillions, I will say that. Right. It's got some dark material in it uh, for obvious reasons if you do know the story about Aaron Hernandez. But if you don't, I can fill you in real quick as a sports guru. Um, Aaron Hernandez was drafted by the New England Patriots a couple years ago. Uh, he was a phenomenal tight end in, in high school and college. Didn't grow up with the best home life as it's shown in the documentary. Kind of had a abusive father in a lot of ways more ways than one Um, but he was a physical specimen an incredible athlete and even though he's on the Patriots who I despise 
he was a phenomenal player, and it's just too bad that his life kind of went that way. But a couple of summers ago, he was accused of murdering murdering a young man by the name of Owen Lloyd. He was convicted. He was convicted. <clears throat> he was found guilty. Absolutely. He absolutely did it. There's no question yeah. in anybody's mind. There was footage of him doing it. Mm-hmm. There was the gun. Like, it was very clear cut that he did this. Yeah. The reason is sort of up in the air. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we'll never know the truth because Aaron Hernandez, he was found guilty of another murder, a double homicide in the Boston area too, while he was still in prison, which is crazy. Well, that was the the, the case had happened before this right. shooting even happened. Right, so. yeah, but they, they realized that Aaron Hernandez was tied to this other unsolved double homicide while he was in prison. I think it was the gun that tied him. The gun or that vehicle? Yeah, something, yeah. Um, so anyway, bad radio. I give it a, I give it a seven out of ten, because it made me more knowledgeable for what happened. Because Aaron Hernandez, unfortunately, he killed himself in prison. He hung himself in his jail cell. Um, I believe about three years ago. I remember working and and I found it out. Just kind of a tragic end to a life that had some bright moments, but it was a, it, it was it was kind of sad overall. Um, the person I feel sad for is his daughter who right. has to live without her father. My hot take and everything was that he was at least bisexual. Um, and that was sort of the root of a lot of the issues that ensued with the shooting, with his dad, with a lot of things like that. Just watch it. The It's a very good documentary. It goes into things, um, just the right amount. It's banned well. Like I said, I watch a lot of these, and this was a very well-produced one, um, very well put together. I give it an eight. Mm-hmm. I okay. enjoyed it. I mean, that's someone who doesn't even really like football saying that. Right. So I knew nothing of Aaron Hernandez before we started watching this. Very informative, very well done. And that's it for our movie and TV show extravaganza <laughs> from the inaugural episode. It's truly an incredible episode. Uh, oh. Millions of people are going to love it. Here we um, go with the impressions. You know, since we got some time, my 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 love, is there anything this year that you're looking forward to watching or doing if we get out of this thing and are healthy and safe in a couple weeks at at, at least or at the, at the at the lowest time? I'm I mean, as a friends fan, I'm looking forward to the HBO special happening. Um, yeah, on HBO Max whenever that when that comes out in May. Yes, uh, as far as the movies go. I don't remember any ones that were necessarily set to come out that I was really, really looking forward to. Hmm. There were big blockbusters that I had wanted to see, but not, like, craving them. I'm actually a little bit... I mean, it sucks being inside all day, not talking to anybody or seeing your family or anything, but... But we're doing it for a purpose. Right. But, I mean, it is kind of nice to have the time to catch up on things that I've always been meaning to watch. You know, all the documentaries on Netflix and... Currently catching up on all the seasons of Paul. my best friend is a drag queen, so something that him and I always love to talk about. Um, hey, Brandon. Hey, Tequila Mockingbird. I'm a big Chris Nolan fan, and the only summer movie that in the next three months that has not been delayed is his movie, Tenet. We don't know much about it because I think it's still up in the air as whether it's going to be postponed or moved back a year or a couple months. Um, but my guess is it's about a, an agency that knows how to mess with time and use it to your advantage. And the villain is Kenneth Branagh. 
and he knows how to end time and i think that's a big threat that they tease in the trailer for this movie i saw the prologue because nolan likes to do about a five to ten minute prologue like a big scene from his movies he's done it since the dark knight kenneth branagh is so good yeah the very famous dark knight opening scene was the prologue you know when he takes off the mask i believe what doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger like a very iconic start to an iconic movie he's done it you know with uh, i don't think he did it with inception but he did it with dark knight rises um the opening of that where bane hijacks that airplane and kidnaps the doctor he did it with he did not do it with interstellar which is weird i thought he did but he did not that's my favorite chris nolan movie interstellar and why why is that I like the central theme of it very much. I think it was very smart of him to make such a complicated space movie, um, but still bringing it back down to, quote-unquote, Earth um, with a central theme that everybody can relate to. Incredibly smart. Right. And it was actually not 100% accurate of a space movie, but compared to movies that had come out in the past or before it, recently it was way more accurate which is also what i appreciated too i'm not 100 percent sure they could ever make a 100 percent accurate space movie right it's still being interesting to the right. audience because it be pretty being a documentary. complicated yeah so tenet is still slated for a july 17th release as of this podcast i'm not going to check twitter during it because i don't want to have a meltdown during the podcast if tenet got delayed yeah you would hear a meltdown which i don't and honest, okay, if we don't, if, if July 1st comes and movie theaters are still aren't even close to being open, I think then Warner Brothers will push this movie back. But um, I could see it October because they pushed another movie out of the October slate. So I think at the very worst we'll get Tenet in October. But that's the number one movie I've been looking forward to the whole year, even before all this happened. Um, another one is Dune from Denny, Denny Villeneuve. He directed Sicario prisoners blade runner 2049 which was a great movie heavily underrated and overlooked it's about it's it's based on a series of books that are written a long time ago i think in the 70s i could be wrong i'm sure i'm wrong but it's a series of books called dune and there's different chapters of them it's kind of like a lord of the rings type trilogy or there's actually more than three books but this is starring oscar isaac timothy chalamet um, who's kind of the lead character of the of this series. It, he wants to make two movies, so hopefully we get two movies. Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin's in it, Zendaya's in it. There's a ton of famous and well-known actors in it. Um, Which, to jump back for a second, you did, I think, fail to mention in Tenet, who the star of Tenet is. Yeah, we'll jump back to Tenet in a sec. But Dune is coming out in December, supposedly. It's still, Warner Brothers just released marketing and pictures for it, so I think their goal is to move forward with everything. And Tenet, yeah, it stars a guy who I did not like for a long time, Robert Pattinson. No, but the, the main the, the main star, star, headliner, is John David Washington. That last name, he's Denzel Washington's son. If you haven't seen Black Klansman, you need to. It's an amazing movie. He definitely yeah. shines in it. And his laugh is just like his dad's. He's got the same kind of uh, facial expressions, too. Mm-hmm. He's a great actor. Apparently, he's in Ballers and HBO, which I thought I liked, but maybe I need to give another shot since I know John David Washington now. And, of course, our king, The Rock, uh, who will be our next president. <laughs> Rock and Hanks, 2024. Yeah, Dune and Tenet are my big ones. I was looking forward to Fast 9. 
but Vin Diesel put it pushed it back to next year, a day after saying it's not going to be delayed. He delayed it a whole year. I don't know. I wasn't really looking forward to Black Widow a whole ton because that just because I'm thinking about that movie because it was supposed to come out this Friday. It was. That's. Right. I think I think it was going to be good. It's supposed to come out in late November. I like the cast of that movie. I yeah. like who they chose for her parents. Yeah. Um, Rachel Vice and David Harbour. Yes, very good choices. And then the one that came was supposed to come out a couple weeks ago. The first big movie that got pushed due to the coronavirus pandemic, um, No Time to Die, the 25th James Bond movie, Daniel Craig's Last Ride as James Bond. It seems like Bond movies kind of have this thing where one's really good, one sucks. One's really good, one sucks. I was really looking forward to this one because I thought it was going to be good, and I still think it will be. But it sucks that we have to wait another six and a half months till early November to watch it. Especially since the movie's done. Which stinks. It's like you put all this work in as a director, as a film crew, and are expecting to put this thing out on April 10th. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And it's in the can. Like it's done. Like they've said it's finished. Yeah, but their other side of it is to, you know, release it on home video and make, you know, nowhere near the profits right. they would. So then, you know, whatever kind of deal Daniel Craig or whoever has, you know, the studio's not going to make his money back. Right. And that means there's... If that happens, no more Bond movies. <laughs> I think they would still make them. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they've never been huge money makers. Skyfall was the first billion dollar one. And that was... Casino that... Royale was one of the best. That, that one made a lot of money because it, it was the first Daniel Craig one. Casino Royale was a, and it was a good movie. And it, yeah, it's But fantastic. Skyfall blew it away in terms of gross. Yeah. Because it was basically a ripoff of The Dark Knight. Well, Skyfall wasn't the second one. Second, second Daniel Craig was Quantum it? of Solace. That was the second. That movie sucks. Agreed. That what that's that's my whole little theory though is that sequels always will do just as good or better just because of the first movie. And no to, matter how good they are. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent To round this out, two Daniel Craig movies you should watch in quarantine. Logan Lucky, he's really good in that as a southern. Uh, Jailbird. His accent's hilarious. His accent's amazing in it, and he's got this buzz cut bleach blonde hair. You, you can do his accent, do it. No, I, I haven't watched it in a while. I can't do it. <laughs> and then uh, he plays a southern detective in Knives Out, which came out last fall. Great movie. Um, like a whodunit. It's like a modern day clue, but it's so well done. And Daniel Craig is like, every time he's on the screen, you're just like drawn to him. Yes, very good. Anything you want to say to our vast audience before we take off for this inaugural podcast? If anybody has a movie they would like us to review, um, we'd be more than happy to do it. We pretty much will watch anything. If there's yeah. something you'd like to hear us hear our opinions about, just go ahead and uh, message us. We'll make a Facebook page soon, I think. We're starting we might make a Twitter. Sort of getting this thing started. So yeah. We're new and to this. And check out, um, you can find me on Twitter at msudevotee. You can follow the Bacon Wire Network at Real Bacon Wire. Um, we'll get a Twitter for this up and running pretty soon, but for right now, follow the mothership. We've got some great interviews coming up this week with Kenny Goins from Michigan State, who was awesome. So if you want to want to dive into sports as well as movies, tune into that one. But stick with us, too, and thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.